0: Your pencils and get your notebooks out. It's time for the Star Seminar, and now here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Phantom.
1: Welcome, faithful listeners, to another edition of the Star Seminar. But this week we are not—nay, we are not—broadcasting from the classroom. You do not have to take notes. We are not expecting you to open your laptops. And there will be no test because, sadly, this semester is over. So this is actually the faculty lounge. We have a couple of, uh, of old guys here uh, sitting in the faculty lounge, having a couple cold ones, and we're going to talk about what happened this semester. And with me, as always, to engender that discussion is the
2: great Professor Emeritus, the
1: chair of our football faculty, Dr. Danny Phantom. How are you, sir?
2: I am doing great. You know, actually, you know, lounge is perfect because that's kind of what I'm going to do now. It's when whenever the Cowboys season ends, basically football just dies for me. I mean, don't get me wrong, there I will have interest in this weekend's game and the Super Bowl, of course, and but but all the life has just been taken away from my my football interest and it just it Actually, it just kind of changes my life, really. I mean, I obviously with you know, writing, it's a different kind of thing now. So we don't, we don't have a process of, you know, there's a game and we got to talk about the game and then the, talk about the upcoming game. So there's, there's really no that schedule's kind of gone. There's kind of just the freedom to just talk or write about whatever you want. Um, so it's just a different. For me, it's just kind of a different kind of life as, you know, I I spend a little more time with my family, which is, you know, weird and, you know, that I, it takes not having football to to do that. But uh, I don't know. I just, I find that kind of a weird time for me. I don't know if it's any different for you, Raps. When the Cowboys are done, does your life change at all at all? a great
1: question i don't know that it changes a lot a lot i will say that i have a lot more time on the weekends um there's more time to spend with my wife um and that's and that's definitely a, a good thing um we are actually planning a trip as i think i've talked to you about uh we're going to go to portugal and to morocco right. in february and we were actually i didn't even realize this when we made when we got the tickets we were scheduled to fly out and are scheduled to fly out on super bowl sunday if the cowboys had made the super bowl i would have been in quite oh my pickle, goodness. my friend. I Aww. know I know um but so that didn't happen and uh I'm relieved that it didn't uh, for that reason not not for other reasons um but I think like you know my you're right that there is a certain rhythm to the week when when we're in season um but I also will say that you know my favorite time of year is always the off season. And I think it's just because I love the roster building process. And I think I, I think it's even some ways more exciting because in the free agent era, there's always so much turnover and it's, uh, it's such a difficult process and there's the, the decisions you have to make are that much tougher. You can't just resign all your guys like they could have in the old days. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, uh, it's, in some ways, it's a bummer that the season is over. Absolutely, um, but I'm but I'm looking forward to a little bit of a hiatus, and then I'm looking forward to, to getting back. And I, I I will say that these days, and we can we're going to talk about this more today, I think. But these days, when the Cowboys lose, because my expectations are different than they are for, for example, those '90s teams, or even frankly for the teams in 2007 or 2014 it's it's a combination of disappointment but it's also in some ways a relief because it's just over all, all the all the just the all the noise is reduced a little bit so if any, if anything it might be that my my life just gets a little quieter
2: yeah that's it's interesting that you have that approach i i'm with you a little bit in the sense of like i am at peace i we going into a game you know i know understand that the other team is trying really hard too and, you know, that we're guaranteed nothing. And uh, so I'm definitely prepared to not win. But at the same time, I, I don't know. I just can't escape the disappointment. And, you know, it's like, why can't it be us? And, um, you know, it's like all this time, you know, I felt like we've had good teams, you know. But just we can't get to We can't even we can't get past the divisional round. So there's still that extra frustration that just shows up, even though, I'm. Um, you know, I try to prepare myself. So. It's odd. Um, I don't really I, but I'm with you. I, I absolutely love off season. I mean, uh, I'm looking forward to some of the things that I get to explore now as we look, you know, as we have the time between between the draft and everything. And so that's gonna be fun. But I know that this show is a time for reflection. And so why don't you just uh, tell everybody what's going on today?
1: Well, we're going to play a little game of let me ask you and each of us has prepared some questions for the other and um we're just going to ask each other some questions here about the season uh, about the the playoff uh exit and um about maybe like what we have on the horizon so um I'll, i'm going to jump in and start uh i actually have four questions for you and you have uh three questions for me and so the first question i have for you is um since this is still fairly fresh if anything, did the San Francisco game tell you something about the Dallas Cowboys, the 2022 Dallas Cowboys? Was there a lesson to be learned from that game?
2: I think for me, and I've said this before, so I don't know if it's as much as something I've learned as, as much as I have just been solidified but for me it, it's all about the deck it's all about we the cowboys are going to live and die by the performance of of prescott and i know that seems like a harsh thing to say but this is really just you could apply that to basically any team you know there are other teams that are a little bit more equipped to whether they not so qb dependent. you might you might say that the 49ers are one of those teams but even if brock purdy doesn't play well and he and he did he played well I mean you're not going to win. You you you're going to you need that from your quarterback. But for me I really I think it taught me as we as we go through all this, you know everyone was thought that with with Jason Garrett gone that's that's you know our problems are going to be over and people like McCarthy and I McCarthy's grown on me too. I I I've, I've liked some of the things he's done too. I'm not at all one of those that want to get rid of McCarthy. Um but I mean what's what has really changed, you know, with this Cowboys team? For me I, I don't think there's much. I really think that the Cowboys are very fortunate to have two great quarterbacks that they lucked into, so to speak. But at the same time, they're not so great, not so lucky in the sense of their quarterbacks have not played outstanding when it matters. And then come playoff time, that's what you need. So to me, it's the lesson I've learned is we're gonna we're gonna keep reliving this, and it, we're not nothing is going to change unless they have a quarterback that plays well when it counts so that's what i've learned this season well well, what about you
1: that's a good one i I guess i'm i'm sort of of the notion that i'm not sure there's any quarterback that is capable of elevating his teammates i mean sure there, there are some quarterbacks who are better but uh and you know i mean a great counter argument to this you know, you could be found in someone like Joe Burrow last year where he was getting sacked right and left but still managed to guide the Bengals to the cusp of a Super Bowl championship and definitely to the big game. But um I, I feel like I feel like every quarterback who's successful has a, a plethora of weapons. And I, I think the other thing and this is, this is the thing that I was going to say that the San Francisco game taught me both last year and this year, is how important it is to invest in toughness along the offensive and defensive lines. I think the Cowboys had a more resilient team this year than they did last year. I thought that was particularly true in the defensive front seven. I really appreciated how resilient they were on a play-to-play basis and also how physical and tough they were. And the Cowboys earlier, earlier in the year, it looked like the offensive line was starting to get a little bit of toughness and starting to do better in the running game. And then Terrence Steele went out and that just went right out the window. And so the right side of the Cowboys offensive line is pretty tough, pretty physical. I think that um, their first round draft pick, you know, uh, our, our good friend, Tyler Smith is, is, is a pretty physical dude, certainly in the run game, but they're missing physicality elsewhere. And I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, If you think if I look back to something like 2014, and there was a similar narrative going around in 2014 that we heard circulating around the 49ers this year, which is the the record of teams the week after they played the Cowboys in 2014, teams after they played the Cowboys uh, had maybe one or two wins all season because the the thesis was. I mean, it could be, it could be the Cowboys were just beating a lot of bad teams that we going to lose again anyway. But I, I think the thesis was that playing the Cowboys' offensive line, you I mean, and and their defense was very physical too. You get beat up, you really get beat up. And it's been a while since the Cowboys have had that kind of identity. And I do think it makes a difference in in games like this. There, you know, the teams that are that are left. Let's look at the teams that are left. You got Philadelphia and San Francisco. Both of those have a kind of philosophical, uh, or an organizational philosophy, let me put it that way, to build along the lines, to, to reinforce the lines, and to get tough, physical guys on their lines. And I think the Cowboys just got out physical on, on, on both lines. I really do. And I think that they, had, they did both years against San Francisco. San Francisco's really strong along both of those offensive and defensive lines. I will say one other thing about the game. I don't know that we've learned yet, but I suspect we may learn, which is that we lost to a very close game against the best team in the NFC. You know, so I think people, you know, people are all up in arms now about, oh, what was me, oh, Dax this, oh, Dax that. Yeah, Dak threw a couple of interceptions, but Dak threw a couple of interceptions against the best defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, that's particularly good uh in the areas you know, certainly where he threw his second interception. I mean, like, like if you remember, the difference between the Cowboys' defense in 2017 and 2018 was largely that's when they drafted Leighton Van Der Esch. But also, uh, Jalen Smith had his most miraculous year, in which he actually started to have some recovery speed, and suddenly the Cowboys were way better at those underneath zones. Like, so what? So when they would play a, a, an underneath zone, they were closing on the ball, they were breaking passes up in ways that they they simply weren't the year before and their defense the year before was terrible and then suddenly they were good and it was largely just because they had a lot more speed at, at linebackers so the, when those guys were dropping they were covering a lot more ground and nobody covers more ground as underneath zones than the 49ers because it's not only the linebackers but you got Tufanga, you've got um um who's the other who's their other they've been their safety who like was yeah thank you uh you got ward i mean you've got a lot of athletes you know, a lot of long guys, a lot of athletes playing underneath. And they're really hard to move the ball against. And their front four is so good that you don't get a lot of opportunities to throw over. And so, I mean, they're going to squeeze Philadelphia, too. I mean, Philadelphia could route them. It's possible, right? But I, I think that it may be that after watching them play Philadelphia, we say, oh, okay. I mean, we we listen, we went toe-to-toe against a team that just went into Philadelphia and made that great Eagles offense look Pretty really limited because they do that to everybody. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, I, so that's, that's my take. On. I agree. And I, I think what m- makes it harder too, is I feel like, I feel like I know we, we lost to a really good football team, but the Cowboys also were a good football team. And, you know, yeah. we get these situations, you know, where we have good seasons and, you know, we have these high expectations and then they, they don't deliver. And, you know, I think one of the things that makes it hard for me is just dealing with this disappointment. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask you is, you know, if you look at the the way the season went down and everything that was going right for the Cowboys, yeah. you know, you look at the NFC in itself, it was you know outside of San Francisco and Philadelphia, not really much to be scared of, um, which you know maybe aided in the fact that we. Finally got, you know, we got, we beat Tom Brady in the wild card in advanced. Um, you know, we have the Cowboys have both their coordinators, um, you know, on staff, which uh, it sounds like that's going to be the case next next season, too, as is, is it looks like we'll be able to keep both of those as we're hearing more things. Um, you know, you got your both running backs, which who knows what's going to happen there. We may not have either of them. Uh, certainly, we're not going to have both. Uh, Dalton Schultz, you know, with he's probably, he'd likely to go there. There's a lot of key starters um, that who aren't likely to be here next year. So, um, what I wanted to throw at you is I I, I want to just take a look at like, did we squander an opportunity? So so let me ask you this: Did the Cowboys miss their chance? What are their chances of being in the playoff next year and having another run at it?
1: I think their chances are excellent. i not. I don't see that they're losing anybody who is is going to be a major major factor other than potentially Pollard. I I think that I do think the other thing that we learned against San Francisco is that the 49ers did not fear Dalton Schultz at all, and I think that Dalton Schultz is a really nice is a really nice. Piece, but he's not a great blocker, and he's not dynamic. He's not the dynamic guy of the team. He makes a lot of plays, and I think he's he's done a. He's a smart player. He's done a lot to maximize his own athletic ability, which does come with some with some very real athletic limitations. Um, and so, so I'll, I'll answer your question this way. I I don't feel like oh my goodness, look at next year that the the, the roster is going to be significantly imperiled. I think that this happens every year, Like right? We lost Randy Gregory. We lost, uh, you know, Amari Cooper. I mean, it's going to be hard for them to lose players who made that level of contribution again this year. I don't think that they will. Um, so I think that it's possible that we feel they, squ- we, they squandered an opportunity more so than they do. And and I think the opportunity is this. I think that as fans, for for a, a good part of the middle of the season, at least certainly up until the Jacksonville game, I think we were continuing to sort of scoreboard watch in the hopes that the Cowboys could catch the Eagles and somehow, even if they just tied them, you know, uh, win the NFC East, get a first round bye, or, or, you know, or, or if not a first round bye, get, you know, home games all the way through, or at least until the NFC championship game or something like that. Right. I think we imagined that that was a possibility. I felt like it was really instructive when we had Landon McCool on it, uh, a couple of weeks ago before the 49ers game. So just last week before the 49ers game, uh, it's been a busy week. It feels like a lot longer yeah. than that. Um, and he was sort of saying, you know, it's possible the green Bay game was really the turning point for them where they realized, listen, this Philadelphia game, this Philadelphia team is not going to continue to, they're not going to blow it this, that enough times to get us back in it, even if we do beat them. And so, um, So I think I don't know that the team felt that that was an opportunity that was squandered. And so I'm not sure that we should feel it was either, because I think they probably have a more realistic view of it than we do. Uh, So. Yeah, that that said, and let me just put that aside for a second. I I feel like when you squander an opportunity, it's when you are a good enough team to make the playoffs, a good enough team, even to make a, a, you know, a decent, potentially a playoff run. I mean, you, you know, you never know but you could make a playoff run and you don't make the playoffs. That's when you squander the opportunity. So I feel like if I look back over the last few years of Cowboys football, the one year where I really see a squandered opportunity is 2019. That team was much, much better than, yeah. the, than the Eagles. They were clearly the best team in the, in the NFC East. Um, and the fact that they went into Philadelphia and there was so much internal divisiveness and the the coaches and players were at odds, their heads were elsewhere. They, they, you know, the the whole second half of the season, they just kept losing, embarrassing, embarrassing fashion week after week. The Jason Garrett tenure with the, the team, he had lost the team clearly. And I feel like that was a squandered opportunity because that team should have won the NFC East handily, by the way. And, um, and had a home game in the playoffs and who knows what, who knows what would have happened. Like once you get in the tournament, it's, you know, you can't, you can't say any opportunity is squandered, but, missing in the playoffs i think is a squandered opportunity so i would say no and i think they have every chance of getting back they have a really good roster they're a young team they have enough young guys who are going to get better because young players do get better they have continuity which is huge as you were just saying it looks like they're going to have the coordinators back it looks like they're going to have uh their head coach back obviously uh so philosophically they should be able to build on what they build on rather than having to reteach from the beginning and so that means they can teach more nuanced things. Um, the, the guys can continue to practice what they already know and get better at it. And, uh, I mean, listen, it, it's an, the, the Cowboys are due for a stinker of a draft um, because they've had three really strong drafts in a row. You can make, you, can, you know, you can talk about certain picks, but the reality is they've had three really strong drafts in a row. And that's why they're a good team. They're a good young team because of that. And they might have a stinker, but I trust that this, this front office is really good at identifying college talent and they're going to bring on some more talented guys. They're going to be a good deep roster for a long time. Whether they'll ever be great, I don't know. I don't know, but I think they're going to be good for a long time. So I, my answer is no. I, I don't think at all that they squandered an opportunity. I think that. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to you get to the tournament and then you do your best, and that's what they did. They played. They played. Listen, I think to, to go back to what we said earlier about the San Francisco game. I think we're going to look back on this and say they played two really good games.
0: Hmm.
1: Against uh, they 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 played a great game against against Tampa Bay, and they played a really strong game against San Francisco. And we're just because San Francisco doesn't have a quarterback that people know about. Everyone thinks they suck. They are really good, and they are deep and talented, and tough, and incredibly well coached on both offense and defense, and um, and more talented than the Cowboys at many, many positions other than quarterback, and that showed, and so um, I, I, you know, they may lose, to they may lose to Philadelphia, is in Philly, you know, uh, who knows, but they're really good, and I think people are sleeping on them and forgetting how good they are.
2: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with anything that you said there, I, I, one thing I did want to mention, though, quickly, um, is and the when why I feel like there might be a little bit of a squander here, in the, and it's this. And you, and you actually kind of you know, teased a little bit. is you know they are due for a stinker of the draft of a draft. And I to me, what worries me a little bit is if the Cowboys obviously you know the parity of the NFL is a real thing. We know that there's turnovers. Teams don't always make it in. The Cowboys were one of the lucky ones to repeat, which is something we haven't done you know, ourselves in a long time. So then to, to think three in a row, I mean, so, I mean, I, I know, I know that how, how the NFL works in that regard. So I know it's certainly going to be hard, but then if you throw in on top of that, that they got to, they have to work with a quarterback that makes a lot of money. And we know how the front office works too. They're not going to, they're, they're going to, but they're going to budget within that. So they're going to make moves like that. So we're going to see a lot more low cost, you know, purchases. And, and, you know, we talk about good drafts. I think this is a, a, their second straight outstanding you know low cost free agent haul that they've done because yes, I thought they were percent I thought they were fantastic and I mean it, it makes me optimistic that they can that's something that's repeatable because they've repeated it but I do think you might I start to wonder like when is our luck going to run it when are when is some of our decisions that we make not going to work out so well and then we put ourselves in situations when the roster is a little bit lacking to, and that's what makes me a little bit concerned about um two thousand twenty three is like I think there's some work to be done and uh, the Cowboys are gonna really need to to deliver again for us to you know have another another shot there. So I'm a little I'm a little worried about that. I think we're gonna
1: I, I have a question for you for a little bit later about that. But you know, when you were just talking you were talking about um you know the the fact that they could have a sinker of a draft, the fact that they don't like to, you know, invest a lot in free agency, et cetera. You're talking about the, you know, that they like to balance the budget, et cetera. And that uh, brought to mind one of the other questions I have for you. So let me ask that one now and then we can talk a little bit more about about hopes and fears going forward. And that's that, and this could be something um, in the front office, it could be something on the field, it could be something schematic. This is broadly conceived, but if you had the power to change one core philosophical tenet of the Dallas Cowboys, what would it be? Oh.
2: So, does that include um ownership interference Sure that...
1: absolutely yeah absolutely i uh... it can be it can be anything I mean i I think listen I think that we've been following this team for a long time they're actually a very consistent team in terms of their behavior like we know what they believe in so from from that list of beliefs what's what's the one you'd like to pluck out and replace it with a different belief <laughs>
2: So this is difficult because I don't know how how to get to this point. But one of the things that bothers me and it's, it's, it's bothered me for a long time is because of the Joneses, you know, they own the, the Jerry owns his team. He's going to be a part of it. And I understand that's that's a given. We have to work within that. But the thing that that I wish we could somehow get away with is having some type of leadership that can kind of sway jerry from wanting certain things like to, for me all one of my complaints this year and I, and I love ezekiel elliott but i feel like the cowboys like well we bought this so we got to use this and i thought there was too many times that the cowboys did not get the best out of their their offense because they were overly committed to elliott elliott should have been a, a side you know a Kick to to Tony Pollard. There's there's no reason that he should have been playing, you know, to the, as mi, mi, more snaps, you know, and, and and as much involved in the offense as he did. To me, that that was just a complete, um, just blatant poor football. I don't know if you want to put that on on Mike McCarthy or or Kellen Moore or whoever, but that's what the Cowboys did, and I feel like the reason they did that is because. This is coming from you know coming down. This is what they're supposed to do. I don't think McCarthy has had the tenureship to be able to step in and override that at this point. I think he's slowly trying to earn his power, so to speak. I feel like like Garrett's a good example. I thought Garrett was fantastic at convincing the Joneses that they want to do something different. So. that that's what i thought was what jason garrett's one of his gifts was he's really he knew he had to work with those guys but but i think he did a good job of persuading um i don't i think mccarthy is not at that point yet where i think he's more still trying to he's got to work with those guys he's still gotta earn their trust he's gotta earn their trust yeah so to me i feel like there's just um an imbalance of power in some of the decisions that goes on and like and i think michael gallup's another kind of thing it's like they just kind of said, you know, we understand what's going to happen. We're going to, but we're going to just to try to make it work, and that's what they tried. They tried to make it work, and I feel like if you had someone who is able to say, set, come in and say, no, that's this is you know, this is unreasonable what you're asking, or this is this is not working. We tried it; it's not working. I feel like the Cowboys would be more successful. So I would like to see them kind of tweak some of their decision makings and how they approach their team and 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 put who they put out on the field and who they give the ball to based on actual what's going to benefit the team on the field and not trickling down from management and how we're choosing to to run our football team so i think the thing about that is we don't we don't have any
1: evidence that that's trickling down from management it just seems like it must be because it's stupid right
2: uh well true except that we have we've seen some behind the scenes where you know you see McCarthy over there talking to Stephen Jones is like you know he, about Zeke you know, we're gonna wear him out right you know and you you see these little things you I yeah, you're right yeah. we don't have any concrete evidence but I think we can so kinda... so let,
1: let me let me uh, let me just be devil's advocate for a second on the, on the one about Zeke because if you think about it one of the things that McCarthy does really well um. In the last couple of years this hasn't manifest all the way because it does feel like the Cowboys have kind of tailed off at the end of the season. But I think the one of the things he has done he professes that it's an important tenet of his coaching philosophy and he's done a good job with it, which is to get the team to the playoffs healthy. If you're a coaching staff and you look at your running back room, who's who's the who's the dynamic guy you've got to you've got to make sure is healthy at the end? Tony Pollard. It's Pollard yeah. obviously right and so how do you get Pollard to the last game of the season? or into the first game of the playoffs healthy? You limit his carries. Who are you going to limit his carries with?
2: Malik Davis.
1: No, <laughs> no, because Malik, Malik Davis is still learning. Like he Malik Davis has shown that like uh, on third and three he's not going to block the right guy. No, I know. You're right. You know what I'm saying? So like Malik Davis is great in mop up duty. You give him some, give him some opportunities. So I think the thing about that is Zeke, and I believe strongly that that they ran Zeke out there. To preserve Tony Pollard for when it mattered, they 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 learned very early on. I mean, remember against L.A.? You know, Tony, Tony Pollard took that one that one run up the middle. Boop, he's gone. Zeke so he can't do that, and that's a. I mean, and the only other guy who can do that, as we saw against San Francisco, is is C.D. Lamb, the only other dynamic cat they have. So, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like the fact that the Zeke decision, uh, you know, there's a series of bad decisions on Zeke um but they go back to 2014 when they drafted him but i feel like uh i, I feel like um sometimes they, they they do stupid things because there's a a long-term goal in mind yeah um
2: i i'm here I want i
1: want to but no but but i will say but i will say that i think what you said is absolutely spot on and it's the one thing that could change the cowboys the most going forward right is is that is that uh, if they had someone who was the face of the team, who was the head coach, like they did with Bill Parcells? I mean, people talk about Bill Parcells and Jimmy Johnson, but the reality is they were the they they were the the buck stopped with them. And ever since then, everybody knows the buck does not stop with the head coach; it stops with the Joneses. And the Joneses like it that way. And uh, you know Jerry's very famous for saying, "When Bill Parcells left, good. Now we can have fun again." Yeah and uh he sees working with a coach where that coach is the sort of like doorstop uh so to speak that figure that um that it's not fun he doesn't want to do it and they don't want to do it and and i think as a result there's a kind of lack of accountability that permeates through the culture and it permeates all the way down into the locker room and um because the joneses don't want to be accountable and therefore accountability is not one of those things that they feel like they want to uh push uh you know hold forth as a value enforce whatever whatever it is so i I agree i would say on top of that i think the other place where i think the cowboys are philosophically um there's a couple things but i'm just going to choose one um philosophically I, i would love to see them sort of come into the 21st century is in the way they value third day draft picks I think there's a lot of other organizations that see that third-day draft picks you are a gamble. You're bringing in a guy you don't have a whole lot of faith in his ability. Uh I mean, it's it's you you hope, right? But you're you're betting on traits, you're betting on work ethic, you're betting on something because they don't have the whole package. If they had the whole package, they'd be a top 100 pick. So I mean, think about this. What's the better gamble? You you spend you spend a fifth-round pick on a guy from Boise State, who's got you know speed but missed a bunch of games, or is a slow guy but he's a really smart guy and he's a leader in the locker room, you know whatever. Or do you spend it on a guy who has made plays in the NFL but is either a little bit dinged or you know is a little bit over the hill or is, you know there's something going on, but you know he can handle the the rigors and the reality of the NFL, which you don't know that, that kid from Boise State can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and you and and not only that, but you've seen him develop traits that help him win in the nfl so you know how he can win so if you want to add a certain way of winning to your roster you can do that and you you were just talking about you know what they did with the with their sort of uh inexpensive free agent halls the last couple of years i believe strongly that one of the reasons that mike mccarthy's team has made the playoffs the last couple of years and been you know 12 and 5 or 24 and 10 in the last two years that's pretty impressive um last time the cowboys won 12 games back to back i think was the 90s it was the 90s cowboys in in like 94 and 95 right so. so um it's not only that he gets out of the way and lets the scouts do their things i think will mcclay and his guys his team is are really good but also i think he does a good job of communicating the traits that he wants and I uh, think and Dan, Dan Quinn does a really good, good job of this as well, so that when they bring free agents in, they have an idea that that trait will fit into what we're trying to do, and we know how that guy can win within our scheme, and that fits the way that our scheme is going to be working with all the other parts. And so, um, but I, the one thing that they don't do, the Cowboys don't do, is readily cha- trade day three assets for guys like that. Right, so not only do you do you get to pick them up by a free agency, but there's another way you can get them—you can trade for them and get their cheap contracts. And the Cowboys don't want to do that because they believe so much in drafting, and 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 I think they're a little full of themselves about their ability to draft, and you know, rightly so. But I would like to see them change that.
2: Yeah, I, I'm not going to disagree with that, even though I I, I will. Um i I always advocate for the cowboys front office because I think they do such a fantastic job in hundred percent I, I think this is a small
1: thing but I, I i wish they did that too because they're so good at everything else if they did that man how
2: how much would that help right yeah and so absolutely i mean and you're right, also there's a lot of numbers that says that shows just those day threes don't produce you go out there and get a proven thing then that's gonna overall make your team better so I agree with that but you know speaking of uh front office i um I was thinking, and I, you know, if I think back to this time, so last off season, I'm sure you remember, everybody was really critical of the Cowboys front office. And, and I've been accused of, you know, being like a, you know, Stephen Jones, Stan account, because, you know, I'm, I, I I express my opinions that I'm in, in favor of a lot of stuff that they do. But, and one of the things I remember doing last year, I wanted them to kind of go back and reflect. And it's like, well, what would you have wanted them to do different? you know last year after we lost it what did where did they you know drop the ball and i r- really didn't get any answers nobody really even with the benefit of hindsight really nothing um, so i kind of want to do this again rabs but i'm going to i'm going to put you on the spot um, so let me ask you this if you were marty mcfly and you could travel all the way back to february of last year what would you try to get the cowboys to do differently
1: That's a really, really interesting question, because there's a couple. There's a couple answers. I have, I have two answers. One is nothing. Um, I, I think we talked about this during the season. When you think about all the guys, the, the the sort of savvy vets that the Cowboys brought in in season, I'm thinking specifically about dudes like Jason Peters and um, T.Y. Hilton, but there may have been a couple others if the cowboys had brought those guys in or guys just like them in um you know during uh, during mini camps or whatever everybody would have been like oh, this is the greatest offseason ever this team's awesome This seems loaded you know so i think that the, the cowboys wisely just kind of waited until the market you know they knew the market hadn't dried up for that that profile dude and they um you know, as long as it was one of those guys in the market, they didn't stress about it because they knew that they, they were going to bring that guy in. And, and they were, in the meantime, giving extra reps to the cats who needed it, those youngsters who needed it. I mean, they're a young team. Got to give them those reps. So I th- I think, actually, my first answer is nothing because I'm not sure what um, they could. I mean, they're not going to bring in a high price free agent. So what, what could they have done? Right? What a bo- so,
2: boring but, time traveler you are, Rabs.
1: But – the other thing is this. And that with the benefit of hand, hindsight, I think the thing that we realize is that they misjudged, and maybe it's the information they were getting, but they pretty wildly misjudged the Michael Gallup recovery.
2: Hmm.
1: Now, I know that it's one of those situations in which they threw assets at the wide receiver position. I know they got rid of Amari Cooper and people are like, oh, you purposely got worse and you didn't try to replace him. I think they did try to replace him. They didn't try to replace him with another another sort of bona fide high-priced number one because they had their in-house bona fide number one. Not high-priced yet, but but he will be, but uh, but they had their own number one. They wanted to create space for C.D. Lamb to, to be ascendant in year three, uh, which is when wide receivers typically do that, and he, in fact – did it and is an an elite deluxe wide receiver, probably top five or six in the league. All right. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, I think that they really thought that Michael Gallup, not necessarily in in week one, not necessarily during camp or anything like that. I think that they thought by about week five, Michael Gallup would be Michael Gallup again. And so they'd have uh, the CD land that you and I saw in training camp in 2021, where he was the best player on the field and they'd have a uh, they'd have a michael gallup who was who's that sort of physical presence who who uh you know can jump out of the building get win a lot win a lot of uh contested catches and then they would they had a, a fleet of tight ends they had tony pollard as a kind of change up weapon and uh and then that for that third that third and fourth wide receiver they could just they could cobble that together with like james washington maybe this maybe this uh this draft pick would uh jalen tobert would would um would emerge etc and i think that where it hurt them is not necessarily in the plan because in in some ways the plan was right. Like if, if Michael Gallup was going to get back, I think we'd be looking at this year a lot, a lot differently. You know, if, if he was anything like he was in 2019 and parts of 2020, this would be a much different conversation we'd be having right now, but he never did. And so the other thing that, that happened is Washington got hurt and Jalen Tolbert never, it was just, he was, it was too big for him. And so they threw a lot of assets and took a lot of chances you know on the carnival uh the carnival game and they struck out on all of them and so you know you can when you throw a lot of assets at something and one of those doesn't pan out okay but they were really unlucky and and that lack of luck combined with their misdiagnosis for whatever reason of michael gallup's return timetable i think really hurt this team and so you know T. Y. Hilton. Everyone's like, "Oh, T. Y. Hilton's he, he's he was brought on as a number three receiver. He was brought on to take you know to take over because Noah Brown's no good or who whatever." And I don't I don't th- I think he was brought in to to help be the number two because my because Gallup was clearly not going to get better. So I don't know what I would have done differently, Dan. But I, I I think having a better plan for Gallup is the thing that I I think would have really made a huge and significant difference in this season yeah
2: i i agree i mean i, I think that i i think that the plan wasn't uh, wasn't the problem either i just think that the result yeah and i sometimes sometimes you just
1: get unlucky you know i mean it's not like they didn't do anything right. they might not have done the deluxe obvious thing but the reality is like hiring you know bringing in a high price free agent doesn't guarantee that it's going to you know change your offense it could help but a lot of those guys are on the market for a reason they're old they're limited you know uh, and so i i don't know if you're going to do that you keep you just keep amari cooper and 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 you you just you just sort of stomach all the reasons they needed to get rid of him which is that he was not practicing and he was it was really hard to get him on the field in any way where he knew the game plan he was missing things and he took plays off and you know was. i think there were a bunch of reasons why they got rid of him but you know, to to bring another guy in who is going to be a surefire difference maker was going to cost you the same thing. I don't think they could do it financially. They couldn't get rid of Amari and do right.
2: that. No, that that's, and so that's a big yeah. point too. It's like you look back in, because if I had, if I had the same question, the Amari thing is the only thing that I would struggle with. And, and I don't even know that I would pull the trigger on it too, because it's just what you said. That's, you know, 20 million in cap space. There, there's a, there's a lot you can do with that. And, if you look at the Cowboys contingency plan, it wasn't a bad plan. It's just that all these things did not go well, and um, and, and and so the receiving group is was not as strong as they thought it was going to be. And, but but at the same time, it was still pretty good and to, to light up Tampa Bay. So you know, I mean, I don't think that it was like they just completely were, you know, just had nothing, you know, out there. I just think that if if you're going to to finger point or, or pick something. It's like there's there's something that you would like to have a different outcome. But again, like you said, I don't know that it was necessarily, you know, a bad plan on their part.
1: No, I, I think it was a misguid. It was a misguided timetable in in a way. I mean, I, I think you know all along when you, if you look at their behavior, it was pretty clear that they were just kind of banking on Gallup being back after about the first month of the season, and they were going to try to get through those first few games, get Gallup back integrate him into the offense and then start rolling and it never happened now, i do i, I do
2: want to note that michael gallup signed a five-year deal so just to kind of give you a little right. perspective of the cowboys true investment in here i mean that they, they knew they were not expecting much in year one
0: support for this show comes from sylvan learning as a parent you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, he's gonna have to—he's gonna have to return to some semblance of the old Michael Gallup at some point in years two through four, two through three, or whenever he actually, you know, is here for, for whatever part of the contract he's actually in Dallas, mm-hmm. because otherwise it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be one of those contracts where it's gonna look really, really bad in in hindsight. Um, but to, to to move from hindsight into foresight, um, I'd love for you to tell me now, as we look ahead on the horizon. Um, and you can actually in, integrate and incorporate something you saw this season, but like, is there something in particular that was a, a concerning thing you saw this season or something that, you know, you is a concern that you see going forward that you're really worried about. What's the area of concern that makes you a little bit anxious, makes you not be able to sleep at night. And how are you hoping it's addressed
2: by the Cowboys? Hmm. Well, that's that's a great question um normally at this time is when i direct you to the cowboys interior defensive line um yeah. but i don't have the same level of concern now um before i thought it had, i thought uh, odigizu had a great year and i think that Hankins and watkins were just fantastic as we talked about low, low cost free agent pickups and mm, um yeah. so Certainly, I don't. I don't think that that uh, area was holding the team back, um, like it like they had in the past. And and uh, it's it's really difficult to to say. I guess. I guess it would probably stem around outside corner. You know, opposite Trayvon. Like, if there was you know, obviously my my concerns about. Bossman and Nashawn have been well documented, and um, and the Cowboys surprisingly, you know, have been able to survive without Anthony Brown and and, and Jordan Lewis, who who's a slot guy though. Uh, without you know, it hasn't been that that terrible. But going forward, even with Deron Brand uh, Bland having a great rookie season, I I I guess if I have a concern, it's that you know the Cowboys they don't got they're they're missing a you know a starting outside cornerback and you know i i I don't know how they're going to address that i mean draft maybe but i don't know if i have confidence in the players that are coming you know that they have coming up so i guess that's would be my answer it's not i don't it's not like a real huge blinking light uh do, do you have one that's like just uh that's worrying you
1: yeah i think i i have some concerns about the offense i i feel like there's a couple things, one, they don't have enough dog. I think the defense has a bunch of dogs. They have a bunch of tough guys, a bunch of guys who don't 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 mind mixing it up. a bunch of guys who like to hit Trayvon Diggs being a notable exception yeah. but um and and in some ways his his uh, dislike of contact is all the more evident when he's in in a huddle with a bunch of dudes who love it right Donovan Wilson and jaron curse and um uh, there's just a bunch of guys who do they have a lot of speed uh and a lot of toughness. And I think that's really great. And it's going to, you know, it's going to carry them. Where is it on offense? And th- I think that's, uh, you know, to go back to Zeke. I mean, one of the things about Zeke is he's the one dude who provides that on offense. And without that, who ha- who ha- I'm not sure. I mean, who's that Ryan Jensen type on their offensive line? You know, that, that's sort of like marginally talented, but like scrapping dude who's going to fight everybody and uh you know the trash can full of dirt type of dude um who's the des bryant or michael Irvin on the outside who's who's uh you know wants to win at all costs and, and is, is willing to to kill to to you know to catch a third down slant um i mean cd C. D. lamb is a deluxe athlete and a surprisingly tough guy mm-hmm. for how wiry he is mm-hmm. um he's he let I me mean, part of it he's got this gigantic helmet because he's got so much hair but part of it also is uh he's just a skinny dude he's s- strong and sinewy but he's skinny he's very tough but he's not a he's not a dog you know he doesn't have that dog in him he's not the, he's not a tackle breaker like the offense doesn't break tackles and so they need more dog and they need more speed and and i think that you know the guys i listed on defense have both of those things and bring both of those things in spades and the offense doesn't have those things. They just don't. They need uh, another another breakaway back. They 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 could use a tight end who really has like down the seam, scary speed. They could use uh, a, a and they to definitely use at least one wide receiver who threatens safeties deep because the last two years we've seen teams not only play shell coverage but play a not particularly deep shell coverage so there's they're just clogging the lanes at the end of the at the end of the year it feels like the last couple of years by the time that the year's over cowboys aren't getting anything deep you know i mean they, they did have that one long pass i think against was it against the 49ers was it like a long pass to cd like a tremendous catch yeah, yeah. but that you know that's the exception at the rule they're not throwing deep often enough and they're not throwing a lot of like you know, deeper passes down the seams. I mean, when's the last time they, that one of those worked? They're, they're just not able to take advantage of it because they don't have the speed, and they don't have um, they don't have a, a particularly strong pass blocking offensive line. So there's a lot to fix on the offense. But I think that the the two things that I really want to see going forward are there has to be there have to be playmakers that threaten defenses with their speed and suddenness, and there have to be. Couple of like just tough guys who would kill their grandmother to break a tackle.
2: Okay, so you, they, now that you kind of give us you know some descriptions of I want I, want, I want to put you on the spot a little bit here. So I want you to one of the things that I think about this team is I, I feel like that their the roster is is good enough talent to where I, there's I don't think they have any like glaring like we got to go after this in the draft. So to me I feel like they can go a bunch of different directions and maybe think like wonder where would i like to see them go after so so let me ask you this if the cowboys again can land a quality starter in this draft like they've done so many times before what position do you think most benefits them i know you want dog
1: so uh, let me see let me ask you this does it have to be in the draft or can it be in free agency or is it is it is it really, are you talking about, are we talking
2: about round one or just like, so if I could upgrade one position? Yeah, I just want, you get a, you get a quality starter. Let's just say I'm I'm giving you first pick at a quality starter. It could be around one. It could be wherever the Cowboys draft. It don't matter.
1: The reason, the reason I ask that is because I think for me, it's a receiver who could take the top off the defense, but is also actually a good receiver. Uh, it's, uh, and if that guy's a dog, then then great. That uh, Then all, all, all the better. But uh, I think that, the last two years we've seen the limitations of this offense against good teams because they didn't have that threat so good teams good schemes uh teams with with fast or or big back sevens they just shut they shut the cowboys down and 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 they they've really struggled um i mean yes san francisco obviously they struggled against the 49ers twice but they struggled you know late last year uh and they struggled later this year to do similar sorts of things and so there's that, and then the re- the reason I ask about free agency is because I don't know that you can get a first-round receiver that's going to that's gonna be an impact starter. It's, it happens so rarely, A. And then, B, I don't want them to f- spend a first-round pick on an offensive lineman again. They keep doing that. They need to spend their first-round pick elsewhere unless, unless a, a deluxe blue-chip tackle happens to fall to them because I think that is worth spending. But I would love to see a trash can full of dirt, mean, interior like the kind of guy who's always it was always like hitting guys after the whistle uh offensive lineman i feel like i feel like they've got a lot of really nice guys on the offensive line i mean they're physical they're physical Tanner Steele's a physical dude but they need a they need a mean they need a kevin gogan an eric williams type of guy uh i think because they're they're just not mean enough on the offensive line and and they need to be um so those are those are the areas where I'm not worried about the defense. I think they could, I think this defense is, is talented enough. I think that they have enough guys uh you know, if they re, especially if they resign Dono or, or you know, that would really be helpful. Um where they can they could do fine with Deron Bland or you know, if they get a first round corner, that's great. But I feel like the place where where I I need to see the uh, I need to see improvement if this team is going to make the next step is it's those two places. And, and suppose it's the offense. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean there's a lot of different directions you can go, and I, I, uh, to me, when when you're talking about like the 26th pick, for example, I feel like, you know, I don't feel like there's a, such a great responsibility to take a premium position like you ha- you know, need to if you're picking top 15 or something. Um, so I, I almost yeah. wonder, like, is this the year, Is this the year that you get one of those 350 pound? You know monster nose tackles that's had you know available you know that like new england likes to grab late in the first round or something that can totally just Mm -hmm. help change your d if you package around Micah tank and osa you know are you suddenly going to have a formidable front four that's going to be a problem so i i'm kind of curious if maybe they might be you know deviate from the plan that they normally do um and i i could see that would be one area where i would like to see them get stronger and I mean, no, don't yep. get me wrong. Yep. I like Hankins, I like Watkins, but um, you know, I you know, it'd be nice to if one of our if the Cowboys draft stars that they they landed, you know, actually was a big old nose that could, you know, shut shut you down and uh, you know, just co- totally change how how teams have to go at you so. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I can see. I, I think you're right that later in the first round, uh is, the onus isn't as great on um, making sure you get someone at one of those sort of money five positions. Mm -hmm. Right. But I also would say that one, I think one contributing reason, frankly, for the Cowboys not being as good as some other teams, or, you know, even though they drafted so well, uh, not being as good as other teams, especially in, you know, 16 and 18 is that they did a tremendous job drafting, but they also did a tremendous job of drafting guys at positions that are not impact positions. You know so, so they end up they ended up getting guys who, who who won battles regularly at positions where regularly winning battles means less. Mm-hmm. and so yeah, I'm, fantastic. Fred Beard is fantastic. I loved him as a player, loved him as a dude, loved him in his, all his visual splendor. everything about that dude I loved, but he's just a center yeah well, you know what i mean yeah
2: i know what you're saying
1: but i mean i mean so i mean yeah yeah it's great in point it's really important you have a strong center who can hold up nose guards and make the line calls but there's a lot of fifth round guys who can do that pretty well and i would rather have a fifth round guy who does that okay like tyler beattish if i also have a first round wide receiver a first round corner first round defensive end yeah etc where a guy who with his superior athleticism can make a, a difference at the positions where it influences what happens play to play more, yeah. and I think that that I think that the fact that the Cowboys were were constantly winning at positions like linebacker and um and uh, interior offensive line throughout the middle of the of the last decade or toward the end of the last decade rather, um meant that they weren't maximizing their their talent. They weren't. Because they, they the the positions where they were winning were in the positions where winning doesn't mean as much. So I, I would like to I would like to see. Um, I don't want them to spend a lot of draft capital on either defensive tackle or interior offensive lineman. But I agree with you. If they can find that dude, I would love to see them get that dude. Um, but th- so this actually takes me to our last question because you know we're talking about their their sort of drafting philosophy, etc. Uh, one of the things that I've talked about before. Is, um, you know, in comparing football to baseball, we've talked about how important it is, you know, for like uh, strength of of a baseball team is you you look up the middle. Do they have a good catcher? How how are their middle infielders and how is their center fielder? And and if if you're strong up the middle, you can be strong, even if you don't have great players, you know, at, at the corner positions. I want to take a, the, the same idea, but, but change it a little bit and talk about what I'm going to call the Cowboys' spine and the spine of any franchise because there's so much turnover in the NFL from you know, year to year and across, you know, across fairly short durations. I mean, you look at it, I don't know, how, when's the last time you looked at like the 2019 Cowboys and watched, watched you know, tape of the 2019 Cowboys? It's a completely different team. There's like four or five guys who are still here, but it's a completely different team. And someone will make a tackle and you're like, oh, yeah. I forgot all about that dude, and that happens all the time. You watch it, you know, you watch a game from three or four years before. Happens all the time. So the things that endure, however, the things that that stay the same are the kind of brain trust and the, and the quarterback. So what I want you, I want to do now is just kind of think about the Cowboys spine because this is who the franchise is. So that starts with the owner, goes to the GM. I know that those are those are muddied in Dallas, but let's try to separate them out if we can because I think you they are separable. The head coach, the quarterback, who is, I mean, who speaks after games? It's, it's the head coach and the quarterback. Those are the guys who are, you know, they're, they're the ones who carry the briefcases. They're, they're the ones who are the faces of the franchise. And then the last one I want to talk about is the offensive coordinator because every, every, you look at how many teams in the league are hiring hot young coaches they're almost all offensive coordinators and i think the idea is that you want an offensive coordinator as your head coach so you have offensive continuity so you can have the same system for your quarterback etc it's really important so the news that the cowboys are retaining kellen moore i know a lot of people are disappointed in it um if, if you're disappointed in it i'll tell you right now you're just wrong because he's really good and he's been doing a lot with some uh, with some Offensive personnel that has big holes, and I think he's uh, he's a really good offensive mind. And I think even on top of that, you, you know, people talk, oh, it's, it's it's a tired offense now. I think that that is more than trumped by the fact that continuity means so much. As I was saying earlier, like these these are guys these are guys who can continue to to grow and learn nuances within. The same offensive system. So, let's let's talk about where the Cowboys are in terms of their spine, the vertebra, uh, if you will, of this particular team. Let's start with the owner. So, Jerry Jones. Let's let's rate each of them one to five, and you can talk about you know how you have arrived at that particular rating. So, where, what would you, how would you rate Jerry on a one to five?
2: As an owner, right? Well, as an oh, as an owner. Okay, we're so um well i mean <laughs> uh, there, uh there's a lot of good, there's a lot of things that Jerry does as an owner that's really good as far as like when you talk about marketing the the team and everything um but if you're talking about on the football sense which to me is somebody who's going to put people in the right places that are going to be successful and i have to say that Jerry is probably fair i mean when when you were saying this and I was like mentally stacking them. Jerry was at the bottom of of everybody. Of, um, but if we're just limiting him to an owner role, um, then I'm just gonna, I'm going to say fair. I'm going to say he's a he's. I mean we we have to we have to give the guy credit that despite the Cowboys not winning the Super Bowl in 27 years, the Cowboys are one of the more competitive teams over the last two and a half decades. So or last two decades anyway. Um, so yeah, I'm a giving him. A, I'm giving him a fair score is just, is, I think he, he is in the bottom of all of those before mentioned things.
1: I would agree. I, I think the ownership is the weakest part. And I think it's the weakest part because of the philosophical change you were talking about earlier, which is that ultimately the owner will not enfranchise the head coach with, uh, the sort of supreme authority in the organization. And I think the owners who do that, um, have, tougher stronger teams I think there's a lack of accountability that's a significant part of the Cowboys culture and and you know I mean listen I I know they haven't been in the playoffs often enough I think that the the problem of the Cowboys is not that they choke in the playoffs it's that they fail to get to the playoffs often enough because eventually that will all, all, all even out but I think one of the reasons they fail to get to the playoffs often enough and one of the reasons why they don't do so well is because they there's little things that sort of bleed at um at their accountability and and i think that they they tend to sniff themselves the slightest sign of success they don't do well like as brian broadest has said many times they don't do well um i i i don't remember the exact phrase he uses but they don't do well when when they're doing well Uh, they, they actually really struggle when when they they don't know how to handle success and so and i think that's because they don't like he's at his best as an owner and by extension, the franchise is at its best when he's embarrassed, he's been humiliated by like a five and twelve season. They tend to have a really good off season when that happens. But when they have a good when, when they have a good season, the off season tends to be a rest on your Laurels off season. I want my owner to push everybody to do their best like they have a five and twelve season every mm-hmm. year. And he doesn't. Yeah. How about the how about the GM uh, now? The, let's first establish who is the GM. If it's not, I know it's Jerry in name, but who is the G, who is the de facto GM of the Devils?
2: Honestly, Cowboys? to me, I when I hear GM and when I talk even front office, um, the the names that come to mind is Stephen Jones and Will McClay, and I and I group them together because I to me they're both equally. They do their job very well. I I know people are really people love Will McClay. And I don't know who why you would the Cowboys' player personnel scouting department is just fantastic. Um, you know, so, since McCle- Will has had a greater influence on this team, I mean the Cowboys have done a fantastic job of rostering great players, and um, so I absolutely everyone loves Will. People not so much with with Steven, but I do like Steven. I I do like his responsible approach. I think that. They, you know, they, one of the reasons that we can, you know, you said earlier, you feel optimistic about this upcoming year. You know what? You wouldn't feel that way if if you were a Rams fan, you know, because, you know, you're dealing with, you know, consequences of past decisions and the Cowboys don't mortgage their future and operate that way. So because of that, we do have new life for 2023. And uh, I applaud the decisions they make. I think they've done a fantastic job. Like we talked about earlier. With some of the low-cost um, plug-and-plays that they've done, uh, so to me, the I give them the five stars. That I think I think we'll, McClay and Steven are fantastic. And even if we don't like their decisions early on, we end we tend to end up going back to them and say, you know what, they were they were right. So um, yeah, he, that's what that was easy for me. And you put that at the top. So uh, how many stars are you giving the owner? give him two and a half stars. I've given him in the middle. Okay. I think I might give him two, two. But yeah. Okay. So I I think that I think I'll give I think
1: I'll give uh Stephen and, and I think you, everything you've said is right. I think that there was a time there where there was a kind of like a uh, triumvirate when Jason Garrett was still in favor and was had, had as you were saying had been doing some things to persuade the Joneses to do to conduct business a little bit dif- differently and it really felt like uh it was steven and jason and will who were the kind of like you know i guess the sort of just the the sort of like you know triumvirate of 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 thinkers Mm -hmm. who were you know really guiding this team for want of a a better term um obviously garrett's gone i don't know i I get the sense that mccarthy i think to his credit i think the team's actually better at drafting since garrett hasn't been a part of the scouting process and his coaches haven't but i I don't think mccarthy's part of that so we can talk about that one when we get to mccarthy um i don't know that i'd give them a five but i think i would give them a strong four four and a half i and i I think if when people complain about stephen jones i I think the important thing they, they need to do is remember what it was like before he became ascendant because if you remember before that we had the lacewell era we had the we had this sort of up and down of, of even some of the Parcells era. And, um, you know, Jerry was changing philosophy year to year. This team had no core values in terms of roster building, what they believed in, what kind of team they wanted. Jerry would just try something new. Whatever New England did, then they'd try that. And then somebody else would be good and they'd try that. And, um, and so, you know, the, the thing that, that Stephen and Will have brought is a sort of philosophical and processual continuity uh that I think it's been has been really important and it's allowed the scouts to do the good job that they've been doing that you just pointed out and i you know i don't know i don't know how we can be so lucky that will McClay has stayed as long yeah. at a at a position where he's not the gm they must be throwing a lot of money well, at him or something you know, that,
2: and that's why we need to give the Jer- jerry his two and a half stars or yeah, because yeah. you know i i know why wills there because it's a family you know, and McClay mm-hmm. loves it. And they, they really have built a really strong bond in that organization to it. So, I mean, that's, yeah. And, you know, McClay gets to do what he does. There's, you know, he, uh, he just doesn't have the title and he's, he doesn't he, have the title. Yeah. He's, he's a GM. And I think everybody in the league recognizes that
1: he is and respects him as if he were, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you know, even in the last few years, he's he's been a lot more on the kind of like media circuit, and so he's a, he, he's a lot more front and center now than he was when he first started. So that's so that's cool too, and it's probably probably, frankly, part of the uh, part of the negotiating process is for to 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 give him more of those kind of public appearances so that he is on people's radar. Um, so let's, I I agree. I think that I think that they are much stronger than the owner, um, and that whatever whatever. Part of Steven is the owner. I would lump in with in, in with Jerry because I do get the sense that he kowtows to Jerry in terms of the things I think are weak about about their ownership, the sort of lack of accountability and the kind of country clubbish culture that they'd rather engender, um, so that they don't personally have to be held accountable for anything. So let's let's uh, switch our our gears here. How about the head coach? Where would you put our head coach?
2: I'm going to give our head coach a, th- a three three stars. He's going to be a, slightly above jerry and he'll be he'll be second to last and um i, w- I want to say this that i do think a, a lot of mike mccarthy uh, i i think that it you know to, and you you know you voiced this on twitter too and i, I know where you stand you, you stand a little different you're, you're a little bit more approv approving of mccarthy than i am but uh you make great points and i think it's one of the, the biggest points is it's so hard to work in this organization and you need a special kind of head coach and i do think that Mike McCarthy brings a lot of those traits that that are workable with this type of um, with the Joneses, basically. So I think that McCarthy and in this, you know, like maybe he will get better. We talked about this earlier. It's like maybe as he builds up trust, he'll some of his decisions will hold more power and he'll there'll be less Jonesy. But to me, still, McCarthy is is too much of a yes man. He's. You know, I, I feel like this whole season he's kind of lived a little bit in a sense of like false security and sense of like, I don't hear him saying like it's going to be tough like this. You know, we're a good football team. I believe in our guys, but let's be real. There's this. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. There's some tough, really good team. He always like, you know, had this sense of confidence about him that just like I I felt like, it just being to me he they just seemed like they might have been a little unprepared because they didn't fully grasp, you know, their own ability and and their own shortcomings to to be able to fix those things and play at a high level. So, so I feel like McCarthy's fine. I don't don't want him replaced. Um I I don't think that he's better than Jason Garrett. Um I know people do think so. Um I don't think so. I think Do you think he's worse? No. I don't think he's do I don't he, think he's worse. I mean, I think <laughs> he's I right right now I think he's slightly worse. Right now, because he doesn't have much pull as far as being able to get the get the Joneses to to to, to convince them, and this is, you know, like Jason and People wonder this about. We'll get to Kellen Moore in a minute. People like wonder why. Why would people want him as a head coach? You know, or something like he doesn't even look like he'd be a good head coach. I mean, but. He, Kellen, like Jason before him, is one of those guys that you walk. He walks in the room and immediately people know that he's the smartest guy in the room. And when you have that ability to communicate and um, keep your uh, guys focused on the task at hand, and, and you're always thinking about, the, you know, things you can control, and not living on these other, the, the, you know, making these excuses and and dwelling on this and that and blaming, officiating and just like you know, you don't get rattled by any of that. You always have yourself thinking about you know, um, where you, where your mind should be. And that's, that's what I really loved about Jason Garrett. I do think, I don't think McCarthy's has that, but I do think that he's has experience and he has a, does a great job of kind of meshing everything together. I think, um, you know, you look at, I love our coordinators. I think our coordinators are fantastic and all the, and I love our our scouting department. I think if you look at all these pieces, McCarthy does a good job of like holding everything together and, um, mm-hmm. I think there's a short list of coaches really to be that I would even want to, to coach the Dallas Cowboys, um, whether they're, mm-hmm. whether they're great coaches or not, as far as, in you know, in a vacuum, but, uh, and McCarthy's fine. McCarthy would be one of those names. I mean, he's, he's not a bad coach and he's, he, he works with the Joneses fine. I just, I don't think he does. He really gives the Cowboys like anything special that elevates them. I mean, I think we're you know here we are again. We're not in. The, we didn't make it past the divisional round. I don't think it's because McCarthy's bad, but I also don't think it was because Jason Garrett was bad. Um, but I I don't think there's nothing I see him like he's no Jimmy Johnson or Bill Parcells in the sense of like he gives this team an edge. So to me, I'm giving him a passing grade. He gets a three stars, and you know he's one spot above Jerry Jones.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um i think that's all i think that's all fair he he's a you know he's a he's a he's a dopey looking fat guy and so those kind of guys are never going to get respect in the same way that someone people love those guys they love dopey fat guys (laughs) i don't think they respect them (laughs) though they like them because they're fun to drink beer with um and so i i think that uh I think he doesn't get the doesn't get the credit for being smart that he probably deserves because he doesn't come across that way. He's probably a lot smarter than his than, than his than his um, you know his public presentation.
2: He's, he's more enjoyable to listen to than Jason Garrett. I'll say that. Well, I mean, not that yeah. that means. I mean, anything. I,
1: I'll tell you what. I'll, yeah, well, Jason. Yeah, I mean, certainly in press conferences. Maybe, maybe not. You know, uh, outside of press conferences or like on on walk offs. You know, those kind of things where where Garrett was actually at his best. I will say that. You know, I was really when we had John Machota on a couple, three weeks ago, it was really interesting to to listen to him talk because he was saying that he really loves talking to McCarthy and that McCarthy's, you know, a very voluble, really pleasant guy. And, and he really enjoys, especially the the, sort of those sort of walk-offs where the, you know, the cameras aren't rolling at the, at the end of pressers with with McCarthy and things like that. So, I mean, I I think part of it is it's the scrutiny of the Dallas Cowboys and being the head coach and having to go out and be the, the mouthpiece for the organization uh, at the same time, you know, Jerry, who's going to be drunk half the time is, is, you know, uh, is, is saying something to, to contradict what you're doing and the press is going to jump on it. And half the time they're like, did you hear Jerry say that? And he's like, uh, no. Cause I was like running meetings. I don't know what the hell Jerry said. And, and, you know, the, the, the press is always looking to try to, to try to find some right. something you said that's different and it's just easier not to say anything. And so they, they're going about not giving you anything very differently. Um, so uh, I, I, I'll, I'll go back to, I'll just reiterate quickly a couple of things I've said about about McCarthy before, which is that I think one of the advantages he has vis-a-vis this particular organization is that he is not, in fact, the son of a scout who used to scout for the Cowboys. His, his Part of the reason he was brought in was not to be a scouter because he has that scouting ability. That was not a value add that he brought to the hire. And I think that that's actually helped clear the waters around scouting. I think that, that – Garrett, and by extension, then of course, his scouting—rather, his coaching staff—really muddied things, and that's one of the things that that, that uh, McClay worked really hard to clarify. I don't know; that they need to work that hard to clarify it anymore because I get the sense that McCarthy just kind of says, "Hey, you guys scout, we coach. Mm-hmm. Let's do it." I do know that. Um, you know, John Owning brought back a tweet from earlier, I think during training camp when when Brian Broaddus let out a little nugget where he was talking about how Joe Philbin and the assistant offensive line coach weren't behind the Tyler Smith drafting. They didn't they didn't want him. And so uh certainly think like there's a sense that maybe there's more of a division between the scouts and the coaches now and and than there was. But I think that's actually a good yeah. thing. I think that and, and as long as McCarthy's not gonna gonna not gonna, you know, grumble about it, which I don't think he is. I think that I think that that that's a good thing. I think he's an experienced coach. He knows what he's doing. He he, I think he's absolutely right in several things that are are key parts of his strategy, which are the early games don't matter, preseason games don't matter. Um, everything you're doing, all the decisions you're making, are so that you can be your best in the playoffs at the very end of the season there's an there's an assumption built into that which is that we're going to be there which i think is good it's a good assumption to have and i think that um you know he, he he's not going to do some of the things that we want to do which is that for the team to kill itself to try to win a division championship right if, if that means that they won't be as ready as, as they could be now I, I would would i have liked them to be playing better at the end of the season in the last couple of years absolutely something's happened they just get tired at the end of the year but they're generally pretty healthy i mean they've had pretty good health going into those those games other than you know guys who are out for the year but like in terms of nicks and dings and guys who are really important they they do a good job of resting them so I, he tracks all that really well i think he's got a pretty good handle on the bigger picture which i really appreciate and i'm not sure garrett always had and i'll say this he's 24 and he's 24 and 5 and i know it's a good team but um he might be one of those guys who's you know clever like a fox because he's he's got this he's got back to back twelve win seasons for for the Cowboys for the first time since Barry Switzer was the coach, you know, and that's and that's impressive. Nobody nobody else has come close to that. Yeah, I... so I'll give him. I think I might give him another point, but uh, I also recognize you know his, his limitations. Um, just in the sense that he's not a dynamic thinker, right? He's not—he's not, he's not going to bring a, an offensive concept that's going to be revolutionary. That kind of thing. Yeah. And he's also—he's also not the kind of guy who is going to strike fear into the players so that they perform better. And I'm not sure that kind of coach can even succeed in the NFL anymore. That Johnson and Parcells guy. But one of the reasons all those teams were tough is. They were scared to death of their head coach. and I'm not sure the, the Cowboys' ownership ever wants to hire that kind of guy, but I'm not sure that kind of guy, either A, exists, or B, would even succeed in, in today's NFL. But let's move on. Let's move on to the quarterback, and then we can talk about the offensive coordinator. Uh, the next guy, I think, in the, in the sort of hierarchy in this, in this spine is, is the quarterback. He is the face of the franchise for almost every franchise. What do We, and we, we did talk about Dak in the wake of the San Francisco loss. What do you think about Dak overall?
2: Yeah, I'm actually. How
1: many stars are you giving this cat? I'm gonna
2: actually, I'm gonna give. I'm I'm, I'm doing the the Dak and the, and Kellen together because to me. Oh, you I, are. I'm okay, going to, yeah, okay. because I, they're, they're well, because they're a tie to me. I'm giving them, a, you know, four stars, and I think I think I think both of them are very good at their job. Um, I I feel like the Cowboy fans are are a little bit like polarized on. You either like love Dak or you or, or you you think Kellen's good or, or you think Dak's good. I don't really think you think both. I think it's usually you're blaming the one or the other if if you're a team Dak or team Kellen. To me, I think that's silly, and I view I view them the same in the sense of they're really good. They're not perfect. They're better than the great majority of the league. The other the defense is going to win sometimes, um, but overall. You have to feel really good about what the Cowboys have in each of them. I think the Cowboys have, you know, they're. I would say they're in the 25 percentile, uh, the top, you know, top 25 percentile, both in coordinator and and, and quarterback.
0: No, I, oh,
1: I, most definitely. Yeah, and yes. I don't. Yeah, I don't
2: think that's really up for debate. And so I think Kellen does a great job. I think I, you know, if you watch the All 22 and you watch the Kurt Warner stuff and you see, you know, you'll see that there's times where D'Amico Ryan made the better play, you know, and, and, and that's going to happen because he, he's pretty good too. Um, but there's also a lot of times where Kellen does some great job with the spacing. You see some misdirection in the, and like he just really annihilated Tampa Bay. And um, so I think Kellen Moore is one of the bright minds. Um, I don't know what his full potential is. I don't know if he's good head coach material. I just think he's does a great job as a coordinator. I think the Cowboys had some shortcomings offensively with just, just talent and he worked around them really well. If you look at his body of work, it speaks for itself because the Cowboys offense is is constantly producing and you know when they're running on fire and all cylinders, they're just one of the best in the league and, and and that's since Kellen Moore has taken over um and that was even Garrett's last year um and and, and they've been really good. And and Dak too. Uh I know everyone's kind of down on Dak with, you know, he had a tough finish to this to the year and I do want to say when you look back over the season and you even mentioned 2019 like that was a good team and you're absolutely right um and I I think Prescott hurt his shoulder you know down the stretch too but I think if you if you take a close look and you see Prescott hurts his shoulder Prescott hurts his calf you know or you know Prescott there's there's things that happen with Dak that do that does affect his performance I do think he's a great quarterback, but I do think that he's had some down moments. Um, and no, no part of me wants to try to move on or look for something else because that's silly to me. Uh, so both those guys, I give them four stars, and they're tied for second best, you know, behind the, the front office of you know McClay and Jones. To me, that, that that's that's where I see those guys. What about you? Uh, I I
1: think, I think, yeah, I I think the Cowboys year in and year out, since both of them have been in the respective positions that we're talking about, have been a top five offense every year, except for 2020 when Dak was out, obviously. Right. Um, but even then, like it took a while, but they started getting the offense humming toward the end. The last few last month or so, five, six weeks of the season, they were scoring points in bunches. They were doing pretty well. And they were certainly scoring in bunches before Dak got hurt. So, um, you know, when Dak and, and Kellen have, have both been together and Dak's been on the field, this offense has been, I think, better than a top-five offense, regularly, consistently. And I, I will submit this, and this is something you just you just touched on, and I, I couldn't give you enough you speak, brothers, about this one. You know, you keep talking, man, because I think this is right, uh, which is that I think he's done a lot with some real offensive limitations. I think he's had some pretty big uh. uh limitations on the offensive line on his time he was here. And frankly, with his offensive line coach in the time he's been here, I think he's, um, he's had a a couple of different wide receiver rooms that were very, very limited. Uh, I think he's done a tremendous job of scheming and, uh, getting guys open and coming up with finding weaknesses and, you know, helping Dak to exploit them. Um, I think that I think, you know, any, anybody who thinks that they're not. Uh, a good pair and that they you know is it doesn't really understand what their respective roles is i think and you know it, yeah they had trouble against san francisco that's the best defense in the league and they were down to one playmaker it's pretty easy any and you and i could have schemed to to take cd lamb out of the game with that with that defense because that defense can generate pressure with four i mean come on there's seven guys back there you put two of them on cd you still have five for everybody else easy peasy it's so easy so um i will say this i think there's a i think there is a a cap on what kellen can do and this may actually put a cap on what dak can do too so the other thing that i learned i learn it every time i watch them play but the thing i learned from this the 49ers game is that Shanahan's system is more integrated. It's a system. His offensive system is a system. There's a reason why, uh, above all, above all the fact that they have tremendous personnel, but there's a reason why that offense is scoring in bunches with a rookie quarterback. It's because the system and the scheme is so good. And in particular, everything looks the same i mean everything's confusing but everything looks the same so like runs and passes look the same the uh the run game and the pass game are seamlessly integrated so you get the same looks you get a lot of the same you know uh, the defense is seeing the same thing doesn't know which of those two it is but also the offense gets to practice a lot of the same concepts at the beginning of plays etc right so there's it, it helps the offense and confuses the defense they use a lot of motion um etc et and i think that the way that he schemes his passing game, in part because it is more seamlessly integrated with the running game, is what creates these guys who are wide open, right? Um, because he's able to, to pull guys out of zones because of the motion and pull guys out of zones because of, um, because of uh, the power of the, of the 49ers running game that I think Kellen can't always do because, and this is the thing about Kellen Moore's offense, people have said it, I've repeated it because I think it's a useful thing to think about. It's a collection of plays and it's not a scheme, and so everyone's always talking about why well, can't Kellen scheme these guys open? I think yeah, sometimes you can, but against a really good defense that's studied well and and is, is well is well taught by their coaches in the week before they play the Cowboys, that doesn't work as well, right? So what what works really well is you've been taught that this is your key, but guess what? It's the same key if it's a if it's an off tackle run versus if it's a if it's a deep pass across the middle, you know, and so that 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 can be really uh, and we, we, we see the same motion on, on, you know, six or seven different looks. And sometimes there's a jet sweep and sometimes it's just there to, to create a little bit of space, but that space is going to be deadly. I think there's little things like that, 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 um, that Shanahan's system allows for or creates rather that, uh, that, um, uh, that Kellen Moore's system doesn't because it's not a system. And so people are talking about like, how, you know, for a guy like Dak how many how many times or how many ways can you uh, get uh, or provide him with an easy button and the thing about Brock Purdy is there's a lot of plays every game where he he's given an easy button because the scheme is so is so sound and I don't know that Kellen Moore's system can do that particularly against good defenses in the same way and so that's why i think that i I think i I like both of them a lot but i do think that's part of the reason why they tend to do well against bad teams and struggle against good teams is because good teams can prepare for what they do because there are there are different keys for the run versus the pass i mean there's like slight little things that, that they do differently the way they the way they set those up they're not seamlessly integrated in quite the same way i mean yes there are looks that off the same thing and all that but um, it's it's not as it's not as uh, as completely integrated in the same way, um, and so against good teams, it's harder for Dak than it is for Brock Purdy. Yeah. So I, I I mean I listen. That said, I still think they're both tremendous, and I think both of them have done heroic work in seasons like 2018 excuse me 2019 parts of it because 2018 was still linehan right 2019 2020 in particular for 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 kellen and this year with these you know there's there's position rooms where you go in there and you're like wow this is a big limitation that this this guy has to scheme around and he's done a great job of it listen this This offensive line, for all of the things that they did well this year, was at or near the bottom of the league in pass rush excuse me pass block win rate. They were not at a good passing by any stretch of the imagination, a good pass blocking offensive line. But he found a way to generate a lot of passing yards. He found a lot of way to, to keep Dak up. So, I mean, that's a deadly combination. I mean, like, just imagine if you had Clint Sterner or Chad Hutchinson Oops. and you had Bruce Coslett with those same situations. These guys would be scoring seven points a game.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't want to imagine that, no.
1: But I'm just saying, like, we, we, need to give, we, we need to give both of them some credit for finding ways to overcome that. I mean, you talk, you're talking about Dak can't, up, you can't carry a team or can't make guys better. Are you kidding me? He had one of the worst pass-blocking offensive lines in the game. And they couldn't run block the, the last month and a half,
2: yeah.
1: and they still scored thirty. Yeah, get out of here with yeah. that. No, those guys. Were, those guys were
2: incredible. No, I I agree. Th- those guys are a fantastic duo, and I'm glad we have them in Dallas. And uh, you know what? And speaking of fantastic duos, Rabs. Oh, <laughs> nicely done. That Eric. is all we have time for today. Um, if you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the Blog of the Boys Podcast Network. Leave us a rating, write a review. Wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher, tell us what you think, anything you would like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience. And if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics or changes you think are coming, you know, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFandom24 and Rabs is at RabbleRows or spelled R-A-B-B-L-E-R-O-U-S-R. And don't forget to check out all the great podcasts throughout the entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue, and we will catch you later.
1: If anybody wants these donuts, go ahead, take them home.